Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of July 20th. I'm your host, D-Swab Derek Kessinger, and I'm joined by the editorial staff of Kevin Kovac, Robert Holman, and Kyle McFadden. Deep breath. Guys, there wasn't very many high-paying races this past weekend, but we had a lot of different winners, movers, and shakers. And Kovac, how about Johnny Scott flexing his muscles against the Lucas boy there at a track he's so good at. I think he has numerous wins here the last couple of years, but Johnny Scott picks up a good Lucas Oil victory. Yeah, I don't know. The Johnny Scott is becoming like the master of a uh, Lucas Oil Speedway, Wheatland there, you know. And first he had to pa- he had to pass who won a guy who everybody knows is a master is Jen- Jimmy Owens. How many show me's that he's won there? Uh, and he Johnny Scott passes him for the lead and, and goes on to win. Kind of settled in. It was, it was tough to pass after a. Uh, uh, for most of that race until the end, some guys kind of went to the top and realized they can get up there. Uh, but, you know, uh, Johnny ran a perfect race, really, and then um, gets a win. It was his third time he's won at Wheatland this year. He also won one of the prelims for the uh, Show Me 100. Back, well, the only prelim because the other one was rained out back in May. And then he also won in April, uh, the MLRA Spring National. So, uh, and he won an MLRA race last year. So four wins that, uh, had, I mean, that's more than half of the late model wins that he has in his career, I believe now. So, and they've all come at Wheatland. It's like his home track. Uh, the New Mexico driver uh, has really figured out uh, Wheatland really, really well. Yeah, and Robert, you look at this past weekend, what comes when you're searching, looking at results? What just What's the first thing that pops in the mind for Robert Holman? When he's doing race wire, he's at the racetrack. What a what's the first thing when you're looking at the results? Man, that was pretty cool. Is it Hudson O'Neill getting on fire for Lucas Oil? Is there anything else, or what's uh, what's on the mind of Robert Holman? Well, you know, full dis- uh, full disclosure, I I was off this past weekend, so I was moving I was moving my daughter to uh, Eastern Illinois, but uh, did you go to, uh, to grad school? Uh, no, I did not go to Chubby's. I went to uh, I don't know some other joint that I I went to. Dirties went to Dirties. I don't know if, what that is, but it was pretty solid. It was good. Anyway, uh, I would think that Dale McDowell uh, winning two out of the three on the Schaefer's Southern Nationals is probably really uh, jumped out at me. I tried to watch as much as I could this weekend when I would get back to my my hotel. I tuned in and watched. I did watch a bunch of races, uh, which my family don't understand but i did and uh i guess mcdowell jumping out you know just winning two ten thousand i mean he's he's good right i mean he's 50 something years old i think uh todd said you know is he better than he was when he was 26 yeah uh 36 probably 46 yeah i mean he's he's good uh and i think he he uh deservedly is is has a, a high spot in our top 25 this this week McDowell getting things done at his age uh, on those high speed tracks too. Uh, that jumped out at me immediately. I guess that's the that's the first thing that I noticed. Uh, probably Derek. Kyle, you're shaking your head. Are you kind of in green with uh, Robert. There, obviously. <coughs> I know you said you were driving home from Tennessee yesterday. So that's really impressive by the the savvy, ageless wonder uh, veteran of Dale McDowell. Yeah, for sure. I'm just um, you know you watch him right and. Uh, as guys, um, you know, lose the handling or uh, don't really uh, look forward to maybe later stages of the races, you know, that's 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 where Dale really comes alive. You know, obviously experience, 
a huge factor there too. But I mean, him and Shane, I mean, that's what they live for, right? They live for those longer races, those long distance races, you know, the races of attrition and they, uh, you know, when it comes to saving tires and uh, tire management, I mean, Dale's right up there with the best, if not the best in the sport. And so um, it just, uh, you know, you watch both of those uh, races where he won from ninth on Saturday at live, right? A place where, um, you know, he kind of compared it to Bristol in a way in terms of the super high banks um, and that the lap times are, quite similar and you're ripping around there at a rate that is very similar. Obviously Dale's last win was April 2nd at Bristol before live on Saturday. So, uh, one from ninth, you know, past Corey, um, Corey Hedgecock and Vic Hill and these guys who were just super fast all night long early on in the night, you know, to get it done. I think he led the last 16 or 17 laps. And then on Sunday, uh, really impressive there. Um, just like buying his time, buying his time. And, um, so yeah, no, I mean, all this five wins this year, you know, they're 10,000 or, or more races or, uh, 10,000 to win or more. And, um, yeah, I'm just very, you know, it was, uh, I didn't really have a chance to watch Dale, I guess, uh, you know, back in his, uh, you know, formative years, but, you know, you watch him race now and, uh, he's as, sharp as ever, obviously as prepared as ever before. And then I, I was talking to Shane after the races on Saturday and they hired uh, a new full-time crew member, Landon Hayes, over the past two weeks. So, uh, you know, that's that's certainly helped them because they don't have the big budgets like the Brandon Overtons and the, or, or the larger budgets. And, uh, you know, like the Chris, Chris Maddens and the Jonathan Davenports and, and, and the guys who are consistently – toward the top of our polls each and every week. So, um, yeah, no, I was very impressed. And uh, he's supposed to go to I-80 this weekend if, if he can get tires and more of a track that's kind of out of his comfort zone a little bit. But uh, he also showed, too, as as Robert mentioned, that uh, he's more than capable still than throwing it down with the younger guys and, uh, you know, getting, them, getting up toward the wall and uh, kind of letting it hang out. Yeah, I didn't think that anybody could reach the level of like what Billy Moyer has done, like in his lower sixties. You know, still competing and uh, getting a feature win here or there. But I think Dale McDowell is well on his way to maybe doing what uh, the Hall of Famer of from Batesville, Arkansas, has done in his career. He, I think he might be able to race until seventy if he wanted to the way he drives. Rough and tumble, evolution at the beginning of the year. Smooth racetracks, high speed racetracks. It doesn't matter. Dale McDowell in forty laps. Kovac though. Tim Chrisman's boy won a race this weekend, too. Shane Clayton. He got the big W, and then uh, Mike Maurer picked up the finale at Menominee. They had good car counts up there, and it seemed like it was pretty good racing, especially at uh, up there in uh, South Dakota. Uh, River Cities, uh, oh, I said that's one of my favorite tracks. I haven't been there since I was with the uh, doing the Outlaw PR back in, you know, from 2006 to uh, – 13 but that was like one of the my one of the you know just a racy place a little quarter mile that had high banks and and no walls other than on the front stretch and uh and i said i don't think i ever saw a bad race there i I can remember shannon babb almost winning from last there one year after going to a backup car and and it's one of the my best memories of a race when he would bab actually went up on the outside wall in the home stretch 
was running on it with a three wide with Brady Smith and a lapped car for the lead and the last lap crossed the finish line up on the wall, just short of beating Brady Smith for the win. Uh, just memorable events there. And, and that was, I, I kind of wish that race on, on, on Friday night at, at river cities would have gone 50 laps. It was a 40 lap. I always remember them being 50 laps there. I, I don't know why it was 40. I wanted it to be 50 because I think that would have been a pretty good battle there between uh, Sh- uh, Shane Clanton and Dennis Herb right to the wire. Uh, I wanted more. I mean, I, that, that race definitely left me wanting more because uh, right there at the end is when Herb uh, started pressuring uh, Clanton and, and man, it was, it was, I was like, come on, let, let have a, give me 10 more laps. <laughs> I didn't, it ended too early for me, but yeah, good to see Clanton, Clanton get a win. And he's kind of come alive a little bit here in the last month. Uh, you know, last month he won a, uh, uh, the 40 grand race down at Belleville on the quarter mile, you know, two, 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 two quarter mile wins for Clanton uh, in the last month, um, you know, with XR and the world of outlaws and, and Mike Marler, that was a, that was a interesting show too at Red Cedar on Sunday where uh, Marler, who, you know, 13 straight top five finishes now and uh, that he has since uh, the middle of June. And, uh, and he, she was shaping up to be one heck of a battle, I think, between him and Ryan Gustin, because Gustin come flying up from uh, uh, several rows back on the outside and was making a making a move until he had some drivetrain problems. Uh, I would have liked to have uh, seen that one play out because, uh, uh, you know, even Marler said, man, that 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 uh, that Gustin's a hard charger. And some so some good race in there too. good, two good shows for the outlaws uh, on Friday and Saturday. Kovac, I always feel like that northern and western swing always has a special place in your heart. Deadwood, Gillette, up north in like the Dakotas and Wisconsin. You love that, don't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, that the, when it was a – River Cities has been on it for a long time. So, I mean, that was, that's been a regular. Some of these other two tracks, you know, like Red Cedar, that's a that was a newer. I've never been there. But uh, that always was a f- really fun when it would we'd go from River Cities and then we'd end up over there at South Dakota, you know, Rapid City or or we'd end up at, uh, uh, you know, Gillette, Wyoming races out there. Yeah. Although it was it was it was always neat to see all the all the teams come and uh, park their haulers in the parking lot at the end of the street in Deadwood, South Dakota, and then hang out for a couple days there on off days uh, uh, and go to the casinos and you know, cause mayhem in town, I guess, and have fun. Uh, it's, it's like some, I mean, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like that happens that much where like all the race teams kind of, I mean, it was pretty much every outlaw team uh, back in those days, like, you know, 2000, I think it was eight, nine, 10, 11 or something in those, in those years uh, when we were running uh, at, uh, at Gillette. And, and so we stopped at Deadwood. It was always fun. I was always a good, I mean, Deadwood's a cool little town. Wow. Bill Hickok was shot there, you know? Kovac, I love all your stories of the history lessons that you give me. So there's a thing I've learned today on the Dirt Reporters. Kyle, uh, Hudson O'Neill, three wins in eight days for the Lucas Oil Series. You know, after he had that winless streak there to start off the season before, I think he won that Castle race at Marshalltown. So he's starting to heat up at the right time, and good to see Huddy, a young guy, getting some wins here. I was actually looking at his schedule just now, and, you know, it's been kind of a – a feast or famine, even though he's won the past three of his last seven races. I mean, he has a 15th at Deer Creek, 18th, 11th, and just finished 11th at Wheatland um, on Saturday night. So, but yeah, no, in terms of wins, I mean, he's certainly picking it up at the right times. And, and you know, even though it's, 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 it's midsummer and he would have obviously liked to have been 
uh, putting himself or, or capitalizing on the nights that he has speed. Uh, it's certainly promising to see him, you know, turn it around. And I know that was wearing on him, right? You know, young driver, uh, really turned the corner toward the end of last year, comes into this year, and, and it just, you know, just things weren't really falling his way, right? And you can kind of tell. I was kind of, you know, the moments leading into the million, right? He was on the pole, and, and I, uh, I, I made a comment to him that, uh, you know, he, uh, I, I told him it's just another race, right? And uh, he just kind of deadpanned and just kind of looked at me like uh, he was <laughs> just like the pressure, right? I can kind of feel things. Just uh, I don't know. I coach basketball, and so um, I like to think I have a pretty high awareness on just how people react and nerves and kind of tensions and all that. And, you know, I don't want to speak for Hudson, but I could tell, you know, things were kind of mountain there uh, just a little bit, probably more than he'd like in, in terms of, uh, you know, trying to find those, those like results and, and capitalize on the race, race winning speed. And we know he has the capability. We know he has the potential to get it done. And, uh, you know, lead the next wave of drivers, right? The Tyler Herbs, the Devin Morans, and like the Ricky Thornton Juniors, and you know, the new wave or the fresher wave of drivers in the sport. So it's good to see him pick that mantle back up. And uh, you know, there's a lot of big uh, races coming up here soon. So um, yeah, no, totally. It's good to see Hudson turn it around. Yeah, Hudson getting wins was very uh, big for him as well as his race teams. Let's see if he can keep that going as we enter the later part of July. We'll get to I-80 in a second for a topic, but one driver that's planning on going to I-80 this week, and he made the announcement yesterday, is the Summer Nationals champion, Bobby Pierce. And Robert, you know, he's going to skip the final three nights of the Summer Nationals while they're up in Michigan. Hey, how big is that for the series when your champion, you know, doesn't go up there? I know there's been a guy that hasn't raced the finale, you know, back in like the mid-2000s when the weather wasn't very good at Oakshade. But in my lifetime, at least at Dirt on Dirt, I can't remember a time where the champion is not there for finale. So I think that's huge news. And B, it's also kind of a good thing, though, because he, he earned it. He won the championship. He decided, you know what, we can take that champion's check. We can go out race at I-80 for the final time before it closes down. But what's just your initial thoughts on that, Bobby, not going to the final three? Well, you know, obviously he's dominated uh, the Dirt Car Summer Nationals this year, especially uh, e even the top three cars – and and Bobby and at the at the time they got off of the tour, Brian Shirley and Jason Fager were so far ahead that they could all miss races. So uh, I, I'm not really sure what it says about the series itself, other other than there. I think it says more about the landscape of dirt late model racing, really, than it does about the series because they're just tons of options out there for drivers uh, you know jason fager you know told me uh, i guess a couple weeks ago that he runs the dirt car summer nationals basically because and has ran it because there there's really nothing else during that stretch for him to do and it's a good you know you race night after night after night and it's a good way to make money and good way to be out racing but when there are going to be races in the neighborhood or close three or four hour drive during that same stretch, all of a sudden, a guy like Jason Fager has options, and then so he can go somewhere else and try to make some money. Bobby Pierce is no different. 
He's got this thing locked up. He wants to go run at I-80. I, I don't see anything wrong with it. It is, you know, it's he has earned the right by his performance through the first 25 races or whatever. He's earned that right to say, you know what? I've kicked y'all's ass. I'm going to take let somebody else win, and I'm going to go out here and, and try to pick up a big, big check because as good as the Dirt Car Summer Nationals are and as good as they've been for the sport, it's not quite what it used to be in terms of the pay. And I don't know what they're going to do how they're going to address that in the off season. I'm not, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but it is what it is. $5,000 to win races. There are a dime a dozen all across the country. Now, almost any night of the week, it seems like. So you do have those $10,000 to win races on the weekend, which are nice. But, but when you've got options to go run a $5,000 to win race, I said 5,000 to win, versus a $2,000 to start race, which one are you going to, which one are you going to do? You can, if you go and make this other race, that's 2000 to start or whatever, you've almost made as much money as if you ran second in the other race. So it's really a no brainer. And especially the fact that this is the last season for I-80, uh, you know, next year, he, Bobby Pierce might want to go run somewhere else and skip the last three races if he's completely, you know, dominated the tour like he has this year. Uh, I just don't, I don't see anything wrong with it. I think it speaks more about the landscape of the dirt late model world than the the series specifically. You know, three four years ago, we didn't have all these options. Races weren't scheduled on top of each other. You know, I, I'm in agreement with the guru, the legend, the future Hall of Famer Todd Turner in that the dirt car summer nationals need to be condensed, trimmed back, sliced back, do something to make it what it used to be. And, and, you know, of course I'm an old timer as well. And everybody's like, Oh, progress. Well, some things don't, the only thing that really needs to be improved there is the pay and the, you know, you don't have to run all these races to have this super great tour and get it back to to what it would be where a person can run them all because when you stretch it out over five six weeks even though it's maybe the same amount of races like 28 races but all of a sudden you're 29 races but you stretch it out over a six week period instead of four well you've cut to two weeks somebody could be doing something else they could be on vacation they could be uh to get preparing for another uh, uh crown jewel or they could be out running a different race so I think stretching it out to six weeks is a little too much. Yeah, I agree with that. And B, the landscape thing's a perfect answer for you because even it's affecting the national tours. Guys like Jonathan Davenport decided not to run nationally. Chris Madden was leading the world of outlaw points. He hopped off tour there because there's just bigger money and bigger things to go out there and catch. So I do agree with your landscape. is It's very tough for you know guys that continue to run a tour if they can like, you know what, this start money. It's two grand, like you said, they're up at Stewart, like when Fager and them left to go up there. So I completely agree with the landscape, and we might see that here in the next couple of years if it stays the same. We know Pierce is going to I-80, Kovac, and that's what I wanted to do for the topic here, the last Silver Dollar Nationals at I-80. The great memories we had there, the neighborhood shenanigans I got dealt with that one time, you know, during that hot summer day. We won't get into too much detail, but... You know, it's always a race that uh, preluded the Prairie Dirt, so I love going out there because it kind of like kicked off Crown Jewel season. It's the last year 
over $5,000 a start. The Kaziski family is putting it all on the line yet again. Just how crazy is it a track that's so racy and beloved that it's going to be the final time of racing the Silver Dollar Nationals there? Yeah, yeah. The, the I, at Silver Dollar Nationals, it's just gotten better and better and bigger and bigger on the landscape, on, you know, on the on the schedule each season. It's it's really built up like uh, an event should. I mean, you know, they didn't just you know, Kasiski's didn't just come out and throw fifty grand uh, at the top like the first year they ran this race. I mean, I think it was twenty five. Uh, when they began it um, and, and just inched it forward. And now it's, I mean, it's, it's the, it pays what 5,300 to start. I mean, that was, that's a, that's amazing. Uh, uh, nothing. Uh, I mean, other only races that approach that now are really are like Eldora, um, right? that, that kind of start money. And uh, so it, it's, it's not the biggest facility wise, you know, like a capacity wise and, and maybe, uh, you know, and, and camping wise. And I'm not, you know, it's it's certainly not doesn't bring the campers in that the uh, like the Eldoras and the Fairbury and uh, Cedar Lake, North South 100. Those those crown jewel events do. I mean, and it, it is out in the middle, uh, out there in Nebraska. It's it's a good hike for the majority of racer, you know, fans and and racers. So it's not gonna it, it's not in the middle. It's not so centrally located where it's gonna get the the biggest crowds and the biggest fields. But the racing is great. I mean, it, it, it's usually see a last year was like the first time I really didn't see a, you know, a, a spectacular, you know, really, really down to the wire, uh, intriguing race where like Kyle Bronson won the Silver Dollar Nationals and just pretty much dominated. I mean, he was so far ahead. It, well, he was in another zone. Uh, and usually those races go right down to the wire. But, you know, last year there was five nights of racing. So I, by the end of that, there was. You know, there was a it was it was a long, long week for everybody there. This year it's back to the regular three, you know, the 12,000 win Thursday and then qualifying Friday and then the big one on Saturday. So uh, it, it's it's kind of unbelievable that, hey, this is is, is going to be the end of it already. It's this hasn't been there for, you know, it's not like we're talking about a Pennsboro or something. We're like, oh, this is the last dirt track world championship of Pennsboro after you know, 30 years or something or, 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 uh, or, or something like that, where, I mean, this is still, so it's relatively new and it still feels like it has more potential to grow. And, uh, and, it, and it's, it's, I think I 80 is getting more attention each year because, you know, the streaming people, more people have seen it. I think more, some people I've, I've talked to people who went out there. Uh, I saw, I bumped into a guy from New Jersey last year who had went out there uh, because he had seen it, watched it, watched the highlights of it, watched the uh, watched the live broadcast of it, and says, "Man, I got to go see that race." And I mean, I I hope that there'd be a lot of people that'll want to get out there just because it's the last one, uh, you know, unless something crazy happens and the Kasiskis don't sell it now. Uh, but if if it's going to be the last one, hopefully a lot of people go because uh, yeah, you want to see a big turnout and and kind of it'll be a little sad though when you walk away. Uh, knowing that this, uh, you know, there won't be guys. Uh, it's such a big racetrack and such a it's such good racing for a big racetrack. You don't get that too often uh, from from big tracks, and it's it'll be a loss for the whole circuit of you know whole dirt lot late model racing world to not have that event, line uh, to have that race race track. Not saying the event because I think the Kasiskis will be maybe take it somewhere else and hook up with someone or uh, and have it somewhere else like for for because it has become a big part of the schedule. They've earned it. That racing there has been phenomenal. All the drivers that race it love going there because it's so dang racy. 
The start money's great. You're more than likely to make the feature because they start up to 32, 34 cars. So, you know, usually they get around 50, 53 around there. So you have a good chance of making some good money that weekend if you're no a middle-tier driver and want to make some noise and make the show. Obviously, the 2013 Silver Dollar Nationals and Ryan Gustin came from last, took the lead. Essex is belting off, race of the year, forget about it. And then he runs into a lap car like three laps later and loses that lead. Jimmy Owens wins that night. So that track has definitely earned it. The Kaziskis, their former drivers and racers, so they get it with the payout and stuff like that. Kyle, what's just uh, your initial thoughts on I-80? I'm sure you probably have never been out there, and you've probably only came on your radar here the last few years, but it has earned itself, and especially the last five or six years, it was kind of the kickoff to Crown Jewel season when we started off in late July. Yeah, no, totally. I haven't you know, seen the track. Um, I've only seen very like few highlights of it. I don't honestly don't know much about it. Um, I 80, but you know, you just hear conversations and just hear, you know, just hear people in the sport. I was just hearing Kevin's stories now. Right. And so, you know, it, it's a uh, means a lot to a lot of people. And so and it, it sucks that this is, this is it, you know, and the history of the place, um, like last year, like even though Bronson won by like nine seconds, I mean, he still made it, look exciting right he still put on a show sparks flying off the fence you know banging it off the fence and I, it was obvious it was actually you know his his first crown jewel his first marquee uh victory so you know it's uh it's produced those moments and then you know back to that race Derek uh in 2013 when uh Jimmy Owens beat Ryan Gustin you know I mean that's uh you know it's uh you look back through the years at this place and uh you know, it's, it's, it's put out stories. And so, and that's what we like, right. As writers and as reporters, we want to tell stories. We want to write stories. And so it just sucks to, um, that this is the last one. However, got one more to go. And so, um, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to how many cars it's going to draw. I was looking at our race wire from last year, drew 44 cars, right? So you, have to think it's it's perhaps going to top 50 i don't know and so um we'll see what happens this this weekend and so and then i can uh i'm just kind of thinking of of guys who could knock off perhaps their first crown jewel like or you know just just first big win right um and i'm thinking of a guy like tyler herb um so just uh throwing that out there you know so um and but yeah no that's uh i'll be tuned in i'll be back at home this weekend i think <laughs> i have to check my schedule so um i'll be tuned in at least yeah uh another great memory i have from there is the 2019 bobby pierce one and then afterwards him and i think t-mac got a little dust up on the racetrack he kind of reenacted T-Max, you know, celebration. He was a little mocking him a little bit. So uh, another great memory there. And then in 2013, I remember coming back from Oakshade Summer Nationals. We pull over at a truck stop. Me, Little Sheppy, and I was riding home with Dustin Griffin. We stopped to watch the race because Jason Fager was, like, in the hunt there. And he kind of faded there towards the end. So we'll always remember that. Like, that's kind of when I felt like I-80 just got that huge uh, – momentum became a huge crown jewel because the race was so phenomenal you got a guy starting last making some noise so i'll always remember that 2013 one especially now robert you've never been to the place but i feel like you hear people talk about i-80 
They talk about the Gaziskis spending that money. I mean, these two guys are former drivers. They've been putting more and more money into it, like every single year, like Kovacs. So you got to give kudos to them because they were drivers. They get it, and maybe at the end of the day, they really don't care how much money they make at the end of it. I think the uh, the Kaziskis have been uh, such great ambassadors for the sport. Um, you know, throughout their their career, I I really enjoyed covering their driving career. You know, actually through the years from, I guess when I kind of first started full time in this sport, I guess back in uh, 2000, 2001, something like that. So, but yeah, they, they've been, they've, they've just done really good things and with, with their uh, the series and the, with the track and uh, you know, that now they've got kids at race. And uh, I think that, that the sport is definitely better off with them, with them in it. And like Kevin said, hopefully, maybe they will shift this race somewhere. You can't blame them for, for selling their place. Uh, you know, you can't ever blame anyone for, for doing that. It's their, it's a hundred percent their right. You know, no hard feelings there. Cause what they've done, you know, looking back with this particular race, you know, you go back to 2011, you know, we've had what 12, 13 good years of this deal. And that's a lot longer than, than, than many races you know, last nowadays, a lot of times you see one come along and has big ideas and it lasts a couple of years and it fades away and something replaces it or the money's not there, but, but they've done the exact opposite. And like you said, they were racers and they understand that. And also you have to understand that there, there aren't a, a, there are, there are not a bazillion super late model race cars out there in their area. So paying that, $5,300, which, you know, by the way, if, for those who don't know, the 5,300 is, is based off the 53, which was uh, one of their, their numbers on their race car for so many years. Uh, but uh, anyway, paying that kind of money to start, that makes it worth traveling to Nebraska. Uh, very seldom can I think of any good reason to drive to Nebraska when I just sit here and think about it. Hey, let's go to Nebraska this week. No, doesn't really happen. But when you put up a, a race like that with the people that they've drawn with the format that they have, the track that they have, it, it, it makes, and then you say, Oh, and by the way, it pays $5,300 to start. That is uh that definitely makes it, you know, makes it worthwhile uh, for drivers to head out there. And I think uh, last year, I guess was the first year, you know, that it paid $5,300 to start, uh, paid 2,500, which is definitely not shabby in, uh, in 2020 and, uh, then 2000 and in 2019. So, uh, so, you know, it's, it's progressed here as, it's, as, as we get ready to, you know, put a, a final bow on this particular event at this particular track. Um, you know, they have, up the ante almost every year over the last few years. So definitely uh, I'll throw out one of my favorite words to them. Kudos to the Kasiskis. Uh, they, they have done wonders uh, for racing in, in that area for sure. Yeah. They deserve all the praise. No doubt about it. Heck in 2015, 10th place paid $2,100 this year, 10th place is paying nearly $7,000 a start. So you can just see all the money they're investing in it back to the drivers. And it was building up steam, building up steam. So now Kovac, 
you've had two historical tracks that you love growing up closed down. How are these people out in Greenwood, Nebraska feeling about this emotionally? Like this is their last race. Maybe it doesn't equivalent to super dirt week, but it's still a big race for these people out in Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. You, you say two tracks that I've had historic tracks that I kind of grew up going to close. I mean, that, Hey, let's, let's change that. I grew up going to Flemington, New Jersey that closed. Uh, I grew up going and on Friday nights, East Windsor Speedway in New Jersey. That closed. I you grew never up mentioned uh, that one of the, <laughs> I know. I bought, I, I'm giving you a little more of a history here, but I mean, I grew up, <laughs> I went to quite a few. First track I ever went in the pits during a racetrack, during a race was the Nazareth, uh, Pennsylvania half mile. That closed. I went to Penn National Speedway in, 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 uh, in, uh, by Harrisburg, Pennsylvania on Sunday nights for several years, every Sunday. That closed. And so Syracuse closed. The, the Syracuse Mile where Super Dirt Week was, that closed in 2015. Man, I lost too many racetracks, you know. Like, I mean, these are all racetracks that I, I went to quite a bit, and, and they were closing through the, you know, late 80s all the way through Flemington was, you know, 2000, and then 2015 was Syracuse. So uh, it, it oh. does hit you. It, you know, the, and go ahead, uh, Derek. So this is why I gave you this question, and if people mm -hmm. need to contact because they're hurting, because their track's closed, they know they can consult you because it's happened a few times for you. So how do you think I they're know, feeling? Yeah, they that moment's the last one. Uh, yeah, it, it is a – I mean, this isn't the last race for uh, forever yet at, at I-80, so it's a little bit different. I mean, it's not like you're going to be – like when I went to Syracuse Mile for that last Super Dirt Week in 2015 – and we, we didn't even leave the track, you know, like there's so many of us that we just stayed there, you know, until you know, I remember driving around it on a golf cart at like one or two in the morning. And we were going and taking pieces of the of the concrete wall. I got a piece of the concrete wall right behind me, you know, I'm in, in my office, uh, you know, just as a little memento of the racetrack. Uh, I have dirt from Flemington Speedway in a little bottle uh from you know like from the last dirt race they had there in 1990 it did go asphalt for 10 years after before closing but um and, and it's it's just like you just stand there you're going to be you, after you watch that last and this is again you're not going to it's not going to be the it's going to race a few more times till the end of the year uh i80 will uh so you won't be like hey you won't see a race car out here yet but this is the last big race you'll see uh, and yeah, you, you'll kind of, fans will definitely look back and, and they'll be, you, you kind of want to walk around that racetrack and, and think about what you've seen out here and some of the experiences you've had. I mean, not just on the racetrack or in the stands, but out in the parking lots and post race having fun. And it's, uh, it, it's kind of a little, it pulls on your emotional strings a little bit to, to lose a racetrack that you've hung out there and, and spent so much time at and, uh, I hate that I've had a few of them, but uh, I'm, I'm sure Robert probably has a few too that that have closed down during his uh, during his days. I definitely have uh, my my home track Winchester Speedway closed, which uh, was a it's, you know they never they had races big races back in the day, but uh, it's where I grew up going. That's kind of a bummer for sure. It's where my family grew up racing, where I grew up watching races. So that definitely sucks. I know how you feel. One thing I wanted to mention was, uh, you know, we record this podcast uh, a, a day or 20 hours or whatever before 12 hours, whatever, before we before it's posted or whatnot. And uh, it's almost like Bobby Pierce is listening to us at this moment, because while I, while we're sitting here, chat while we're sitting here chatting, he actually uh, just retweeted uh, the, a, a tweet from uh, I-80 Speedway. 
And this is literally just six minutes ago, whatever, while we were while we're chatting and recording this. Uh, and it really says all you need to say. Wow, that payout with a couple emojis. That's I mean, that's wow, that payout. It's almost like Pierce is on the show, but, you know, it's uh, it's almost like you knew we were talking about him. So, uh, you know, that right there is is says all you need when a guy like that and you, you say, hey, how's this guy up and leaving the dirt car summer nationals? Wow, that payout. That's all you that's that's literally three words sums it up right there to me. Yeah, it's going to be emotional for some fans, I'm sure. It's going to be uh, three nights of great racing, big money on the line. I cannot wait. You can watch it at uh, Flow Racing every single lap, all three nights. If you want to go see a great racetrack and great racing, get your butt out there. It's only Nebraska, the Cornhuster State. So if you're within six or seven hours, ain't doing anything Saturday, I suggest you go out there because it'll be possibly the last time we uh, see a race there. So I know they have some races left over, but nothing to this magnitude and I cannot wait for it. It's, uh, it's going to be a, going to be a good time and it's going to be an emotional time, but uh, hell let's just finish it off strong guys. Right. Let's just, uh, let's have a good, maybe photo finish race of the year. And then that can go down in the lore of I 80 speedway. So we'll have to wait and see. Well guys, as always, we finish the show with one more thing. And uh, Kyle, you're laughing a little bit smirking. You got something good for this. <laughs> Yeah, Derek, I think you're selling T-shirts, right? Yes. Well, I mean, yes. both of you guys have yeah. got one. Robert hasn't. I mean, I, I sponsor Robert. You think Robert I need to send you the money still. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I just wanted to give you a little variety here, Derek. So Derek's um, selling some Swaver or what? What's the T-shirt the last there? Swaver. The last, last Swaver. That's it. Yeah, the last Swaver. Yeah, yeah no, I got one, mine. Mine's, mine's on the way. D suave underscore 12 is your Venmo right there. Was it like $20 for last suave nice t-shirt? Cheap shirt, so, good material. Hey, there you go. Perfect. So, but uh, I'm going to add a second one more thing here. Um, I've been impressed with Cameron Marler. And, uh, you know, he's, as of Tuesday, uh, tied with Corey Hedgecock for the Southern Nationals points lead. So. Um, I've been impressed with him over these, uh, or this past weekend. Uh, he's been really consistent and I just did a featured him in a notes package over the weekend. And, uh, he seemed to kind of find new purpose behind the seat of the super late models. So for Dave McLaughlin's number 99. So, uh, cool to see him up front. I thought for sure that he was, or <laughs> a little bit on Sunday night after his brother, Mikey Marler won, uh, the water battles race. I thought, you know, could it be a Marler sweep on Sunday? And I think he finished fifth or sixth um, at Volunteer. Perfect. Robert, how about you, buddy? Believe it or not, I have but one, one more thing. Only one. Perfect. And I'm going, I thank you. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to give the rare shout out to a racer's wife, who uh, one of my favorite couples uh, Rusty Slink and, and Danny Slink. And, uh, you know, Rusty was ran second at the Oak shade race, uh, the birthday race the other night, the, the dirt car summer nationals race. Well, in that particular event, poor, poor Danny Slink had to split her allegiances between her husband, Rusty Slink, her son, Colin Shipley, 16 year old son, Colin Shipley, who started on the pole of that race. And, 
her youngest son, Carter Schlink, who I think is like 10 or 11 years old, who made his super late model debut, finishing uh, sixth in his heat race. And then he chose not to run the Constellation race because the track was a little choppy and a little rough. So he, he chose to. But to begin that night, uh, Danny Slink had three racers she was trying to keep track of. Her husband finishes second. Her son starts from the pole and eventually finishes sixth. And then her youngest son makes his late model. What a night for, for Danny Slink. I'm sure the nerves were like all bottled up and going crazy. And I'm sure she was, she was just nervous as a cat, but uh, it was a good night for, for that family uh, there at their home track at Oakshade. Yeah. And I'm sorry, Rusty, but if I'm her, you're the last one I'm cheering for. I think you cheer for the Suns first over the hubby. I don't know about that. What do you think, Robert? Is that what kind of what you're thinking or? I think that's, I think it's safe to say that, that you, the kids probably need that extra boost as as opposed to you know worrying about how your husband runs because he could probably deal with more adversity so you're probably leaning your allegiance towards your children I would say just guessing though she would have took the ten thousand dollar payday if Rusty would have uh, beat Devin Moran no doubt about that but uh, yeah it's pretty cool to see that three uh, three drivers closely related and married to that uh whew, I'd be I'd be nervous panic panic mess too I couldn't imagine how she was Saturday but that's a pretty cool. Cool note there, Robert. Okay, my, I'm going to go first. It's kind of like a rant because I've had so many people tweet at me or, you know, see on social media about the Summer Nationals, blah, blah, blah. Pierce isn't going. Well, first off, congrats to Bobby for earning this points league to go out to I-80. Until somebody shows up and steps up and competes with them, he can do that. So that's my first rant. Second thing is, we've been spoiled on the Summer Nationals. Oh, yeah, Scott Bloomquist, Billy Moyer, and Shannon Babray and all these. Well, hello, there was no National Series hardly back then. So people wanted to go race the Summer Nationals. You know, it was a good three to four week stint to run this. Okay, yeah, maybe in 2013 and 14, you had Brandon Shepard and Dennis Herb Jr. Well, we have like four guys running national tours now. Tanner English, Shepard, Dennis Herb Jr., and Gordy Gundaker, they'd be running it. This is my favorite. So many people are like, Sam needs to stop going to shitholes. The travel's horrible. Go to the history page and look at the schedule. Look at the travel days. They were long. They were horrible too then. And we still went to shitholes per se, whatever you guys think or may not think is a shithole. But you know what? They went to plenty of tracks that were very difficult. Uh, just look it up in the history section. And is it really that bad of a tour? I mean, if you're the Summer Nationals, you're averaging over 35 cars per night. That's pretty dang good, I think, in a month span when you're racing 30 nights. A lot of these uh, series are getting low 20s. Maybe they're not all heavy hitters every single night, but if you're a promoter and you're seeing an average of over 35 cars a night, I still think that is pretty solid. And like I said last, national tours are getting affected as well with the late model landscape. You have plenty of guys we're leading the points, decided to drop off and run an outlaw schedule, so this might be the new norm. So people give the Summer Nationals a little slack. Bobby Pierce deserved to win. Maybe it wasn't as stiff competition as you believe, but I still think over 35 cars, which will be the highest car count average you know, in four or five years. So great for them. Sorry that was my rant on the Summer Nationals, Kovac. I mean, is it a total disaster like we see it on social media, the Hell Tour? Oh, I, can I read? I have to like comment on yours too. Is that be my one thing commenting on that too, or? Oh, uh, you can like a little quick blurp, and then you can go to your one more thing. 
I'll just make it my one thing. I'll make my com- I'll make a summer nationals comment my one thing too. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, it's not that they've gotten good car counts. It's it's pretty pretty good. Uh, I, again, I just think it's like too long when you go this long. Uh, most of these years, there's never been a big race in between the in the midst of the summer nationals. A lot of times, the summer nationals didn't even go on top of the silver dollar nationals. It yep. Has a few times. But it didn't always go on top of the summer uh, silver dollar nationals, and that's been really one of the that's been like the beginning of the big races, the big money races in that stretch from June from after the Dream till uh, the silver dollar nationals. The summer nationals had that kind of stretch in there uh, to to kind of dominate it. Other than the Firecracker 100, but that out of the territory, not really in the middle of the territory that that's going to really draw. Uh, the summer nationals guys. Now there's been, I, I, I've said it before. There's been a 50 grand race um, almost every single weekend other than this one. And then uh, July 4th, where there was a 30 grand to win race. There's so many more races. And, and when you have a series like the summer nationals, that's going to go for six weeks or whatever it is, you know, it's going to take up so many weekends. You're going to get to a point where guys have other option you know they're they're gonna look elsewhere they can only give up so many of those big events i mean maybe they they could give if bobby pierce hadn't given up other big events if he hadn't given up the deer creek go for 50 for 50 grand if he hadn't already given up going to um you know to to say you know lernerville maybe he would have gone to lernerville for 50 grand this year or but he might be winning with the Muskegon County for 30 grand. If he hadn't given up all those races, maybe he wouldn't be so inclined to give up to, to go $53,000 to win silver dollar nationals this week. But you can only give up so many shots at that big money. And when you have a six week tour, there's going to be, there's, there's too many things that a, that a guy has to give up to do that. Uh, especially with the, the advent here of all these big money races. So, that's why I think in this day and age, the summer nationals has to be condensed. Four weeks at the most, four weekends uh, I'm talking about, three would be the best and really just go go hard with $10,000 to win shows for three weeks. That would be that would be superb. I think that would be the best summer nationals you could get and really have interest and in, 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 in keep guys on it for that entire time. But when you have this long, guys are just going to look elsewhere and, and want to go run some other way. They, they have to look at the economics of the deal. It doesn't pay for Bobby Pierce when he has a series already locked up to drive all the way to Michigan for $5,000 to win shows and, you know, and, and a 10,000 uh, when he can go to, to, to silver dollar nationals and really go for that big money at a track that he's won at uh, before. So that, that's, that's my com. That's my one more thing. Uh, kind of another uh, comment about the summer nationals. Yeah. I think we all can agree. He could go down to four weeks. I would love to see that. I'm just saying in general, like they're just like complaining about it, but there was some, a lot of net positives through the summer nationals mm-hmm. and tracks having good crowds still and good car counts. Cause I mean, over 35 average, I think is pretty solid. And those first three weeks when he had the outlaw guys running, it was, uh, you know, had a little pop and buzz to it. So, well, who knows, 2022 or 2023 Summer Nationals might look a little bit different, but congrats to Bobby Pierce. Congrats to – or good luck to all the drivers of I-80. Hope the Kaziskis have a great finale there. I hope everybody jams that place out. And you can check out our other content on Dirt on Dirt and Flow. we got great articles by these three written as always, so check that out we got a suave talk this week with the Reaper, Ryan Gustin. I'm going to ask him, hey, what the hell happened with that lap car there in 2013 and all points in between. So until next week, we will see you on the Dirt Reporters. Thank you for watching.